Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about... Co-GMing? I get it. Cue music. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your co-hosts, Phil. And I am your other co-host, Senda. Before we get started tonight... I wanted to tell you about a very cool adventure pack for the Sprawl called the Synth Convergence. It was written by Craig Duffy, listener of the show, and Chris Stonebush. Craig was nice enough to send over a copy uh, as a thanks to us, and I took a few minutes this weekend to read it over. I've run the Sprawl a bunch of times, and it's actually one of my favorite PBTA games next to Masks. And the Synth Convergence is a trio of adventures, as I said already, for the Sprawl. Uh, And it's cool because it allows you to fit it into your current game. Because what they've done is they've, instead of naming specific corps, they've just called them Corp 1, Corp 2. And they give you like a little bit of a... uh, in one of the in like the first chapter, they kind of tell you how the corpses are going to play out, so you can kind of just fit them, like fit your favorite corpses corpse in there. Cor- um, not corpses, corpses. <laughs> just corpse. Yeah, <laughs> um, fit them in there, and then that way it'll just kind of merge into your game. And it's like just three really cool adventures. Uh, so I really dug it. And if you play the sprawl and you are looking for some extra adventures, any one of them could be played as a standalone. Uh, and then all three kind of go together as like a little trio. You can go get the synth convergence on drive through RPG. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks, Craig. So with all that out of the way, tonight's topic is something that a number of people have asked us about on various occasions, but we've always sort of deflected it because we never felt qualified to talk about it. It is co-GMing. So at Metatopia, while we were running playtests for the Ditch Lilies, we kind of accidentally just started co-GMing and uh, it was great. Like we just started doing it and it happened and we liked it. So tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. We're actually going to sit down and live, like we haven't figured any of this out in advance, we're going to negotiate how we want to co-GM so that for the 2020 con season, we can start doing it for some of the games that we run. So uh, before we actually get into that negotiation, we're going to start by defining some terms. And for that, we need the definition panda. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there are a few ways to define co-GMing. And we want to focus on a specific type for this episode. But at its simplest, co-GMing means that a session or campaign has more than one GM. But there's a few different ways that that could work. Right. So there's co-GMing the way that I have done it before, uh, which is campaign level co-GMing. So that's where you have co-GMs who are sharing a campaign, but a given GM may run a whole session or a whole arc and then hand off to another GM, which is also sometimes known as like a rotating GM. That that can mean multiple things too, right? So this is Andy and I have done this. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have done this with Andy's uh, D&D world. Right. 
Okay, uh, the next one is event co-GMing, right? So there are gaming events often found at cons, although I've seen people do this like for private events, um, where a large, a large, like a large event is being played out across multiple tables. So one event is occurring, but there are like multiple tables. Each table has a GM. Each table has a group of players. They are all playing their parts being run by that GM, but the whole overarching event is kind of being coordinated at a higher level by usually like a floating GM or two that are kind of the go-betweens to all the tables and then kind of figuring out how all of the things that happen at the tables who roll up into that, like into that conclusion, right? Like the, I saw this once done at a Gen Con where Paizo was doing a um, secession of the drow throne, and there were just like all the tables were different houses or fractions of houses. It was bonkers. Like it was a whole ballroom full of tables. That sounds really intense. <laughs> yep. Uh, the next one on the list is uh, GMless or distributed GMing, right? So this is where the GM role is actually broken down and managed by the whole table. That's a form of co-GMing. Right. Because um, in essence, everybody's doing some part of the GMing responsibilities, but no one person at that in that configuration has the role of GM. Right. But we all do bits and pieces of it about driving the story and making cool scenes for other people to be in and blah, blah, blah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what's fun and cool about GMless games. Uh, and then the last one is concurrent GMing. So this is where more than one GM is at a single table um, or a single session, and the co-GMs are sharing the actual workload of GMing this particular game. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably the rarest it is. version of co-GMing. Yeah. I, I have zero numbers to back this up, <laughs> but I suspect if we were to poll the internet concurrent gming is the rarest version of um code gming we can just say it with authority say it with authority concurrent <laughs> gming is the rarest version <laughs> i have all no data to back that up with. we have okay, cool. all the known all the none data that's correct uh <laughs> so anyway for tonight we are interested in concurrent gming uh, we really liked how we wound up working together during those digital play tests to both make the game interesting and it was fun, right? It was like a cool way to kind of hang out together and uh, run a game. Yeah. But we also recognize that this takes, there's some challenges around getting this to work right. Now, I think we were able to luckily draw on the fact that we're co-hosts. Right. So yes. uh, we have a natural kind of back and forth. Yes. Um, you know, rhythm with us. So uh, that worked to our advantage, I think, when we were co-jamming. But if um, if we're going to do it correctly, then uh, we do actually need to hammer some stuff out. And so for the rest of this episode, that is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to work on um, hammering that stuff out. And uh, just as a note, when from this point on, when we talk about co-jamming, we mean concurrent jamming. We yes. mean two GMs. We mean us. Yes, at the table. Okay. Like I said at the beginning, we're going to live negotiate how this is going to work. So we're going to uh -huh. figure this out on the mics. Absolutely. It'll be fun. Um, <laughs> so in order to make co-jamming work, we got to look at a couple areas. What's, right. what's the first area? Power dynamic, right? Yes. So we have two people that are going to have the GM role. Are we, are we full equals? 
Is there a lead support structure? Like what's our, we're going to have to figure that out, right? Like what's our, what's going to be our power dynamic when we're like, when we're running the game. And we may even have to figure that like, what's that power dynamic when we're not running the game. Right. For right. Cause it may be different. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, it may be different. And, and that's deciding things like if we're not sure about a rule or something at the table, who makes the final decision on that? Yeah, because the last thing, the last thing anyone's going to want to see at the table is us arguing about yes. which one of us is going to make the decision. <laughs> so we're going to solve that by talking time. about that now. Yes. Yep. Yeah, cool. Cool. What's our next topic? Uh, workload. Right. Um, who's going to be responsible for which parts of GMing the game? We know there's eight different skills that are in play at any one given time. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to do uh, which parts of those eight skills? Oh, boy. But then we'll have to define them anyway. Yes, good. And then we have handoffs. So that's... that's a- Like how, how and when we're going to change up who's talking at the table. Yep. Uh, right? Because we can't both be talking at the table. No, that would be bad. That's weird. And then uh, games. Yeah, like, we, we need to pick a game to try this out with. And I, I'm going to say that for tonight, we'll... I think we can just simply say that we're probably going to do the Ditch Lilies like this. Yeah. But we should do a non... A not-us um, game? A not-us a not game. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should do a fun game to GM together. <laughs> negotiation time. Yay, negotiation time. All right. So going back to our list of uh, our four things that we talked about, I'm just going to uh, open it up with a question, which is, how do we want the dynamic of our co-GMing to be when we're at the table? And then subsequently, we'll talk about outside of the game, but we'll just start with first, like when we're running the game. So I I have, I mean, there's a lot of different layers to this, but I have one part that's very clear and easy to me, which is that you're mm-hmm. the rules guy. Okay. I think that's going to be workload, right? I think that okay, part of that will be fine. workload. Well, no, part of that is workload, but I mean, in terms of dynamic at the table, if there were a rules question at play, I would defer to your understanding of the rules. Okay. Um, That's what I'm so, going for here. Right. So who's our tiebreaker? Which one of us is the tiebreaker if we get stuck? Because I think that collaboratively, um, 90% of the time, you and I are going to kind of either be on the same page or be able to play off of each other, right? Like I, I suspect, yeah. I, I, right? I suspect most of the time you're going to say a thing and then I'm going to be like, cool, I'm going to pick that up and run with it. Or I'm going to say a thing. You're going to be like, cool, I got it. I'm going to spin it out this way. But but 10% of the time, one of us has to be in charge. <laughs> So, so who do we think that should be? You. Okay. All right. So we're actually going to lean on um, on an existing structure that we already have. Right, which is um, you write the notes. That's workload again. <laughs> that is that is workload. Um, okay. So anyway, well, during the game, so during the game, I will take kind of a more like I will take a slightly more leadership position. And you'll take kind of a slightly more support position. Right. So to flesh that out a little bit more, um, my favorite way to run games is reactively. I've written an article about this at Gnome Stew and like we talked about it a while ago. It's been out there for a while. And the thing about running games reactively is every now and then you hit that moment where you're like, how do I drive this story forward? And I don't necessarily always feel like I come up with the best ideas to make that happen. So I feel like that's something that you are extremely good at. And that is in particular why I am saying that you should be in a leadership role in terms of doing those things, because I think that you are better at making story happen than I am. Okay. I, no, I think that's totally fair. Right. I, I, I um, felt like I should put a little bit more context around that 
No, no, I think that's good. <laughs> and, and I think what, and I think where I saw it when we were doing the digital East game, which was really good, was because the digital East game was um, really alpha and you know still looking up things. There was a point where something was going on in the game, and I went to go look something up, right? And you kind of jumped in and reacted to what was going on already, and just kind of pushed the story forward. Right. And what was nice was it like bought me time. Right. right? Like gave I, you plenty of time to like write some notes down and look some things up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just did a scene in fact what was so we were playing in those waters and i i would say we were playing in those waters in a very safe way because since we had not negotiated any of this stuff i was specifically not making any gming decisions right so i jumped in on that and i kept going with what you were already doing and i did not make any storyline decisions in that time and space because you had a thing that you were doing and you were running the game Right. So I jumped in as the character and we just had an in-character conversation until we got to a point that another decision needed to be made. And then I passed it back to you. So I think a thing that we should, because this looks this is going to kind of blend a little bit of handoff and workload. Yeah. Uh, which I'm OK with because now we're just kind of organically. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, negotiating. <laughs> um, I think that one of the things that we should establish is that at any given time, one of us, one of us is the face to the table. Right. So so if by default it's me starting the game out, right, then the handoff is when I hand off from being the face over to you. Yes. Right. And then I think my the reason I bring that up is because I think then when it comes to GMing decisions, I think the person who's the face should feel free to make any GMing decisions that they feel necessary that they you know that they feel is coming up in the game and they can always go to the other person as a consult yeah but otherwise could just roll with it so for instance if we were playing like um if we were playing masks and you were the face and i had fallen like you know like we had switched and i was i was now in the support role you were kind of in the lead and somebody rolled a seven to nine and you or somebody rolled a six minus and you had to make a hard move yeah like you could just make, just the, make hard the hard move, move. well yes right. and 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 to clarify, um, that's part of what was interesting about the scenario in which we accidentally started co-GMing is that because we hadn't had this negotiation, I did not make any GMing decisions, right? Right. But and if, I, if and we were actually passing the table back and forth like that, yes. we have to have the yep. authority in both cases to make GMing decisions. I agree. So I think that you're like, I think in that case, you're, you know, fully capable like not fully capable, fully empowered to make that GMing decision. But at the same time, like maybe I'm running the table and a six minus comes up and I kind of look at the list and then I turn and I look at you and I'm like, what do you think? And like, you're like, how about this one? And I'm like, cool, let me, and then let me keep, and then I keep going. Right. Right. So, so consults are always possible, but whoever's sitting in the hot seat, I guess, maybe that's what we'll call it. Whoever's sitting in the hot seat, um, whoever's sitting in the hot seat and and that means, all right, so let's define a couple of things here, right? I'm going to borrow terms from another. Oh um, boy, here we go. I'm going to borrow terms from another location. So whoever's topping the game. (laughs) I knew that was coming. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Whoever's topping the game is empowered to make those jamming decisions. Um, Here we are, but topping, folks. <laughs> let's be let's be clear. Yep. Uh, topping doesn't denote leadership or support. No. Right. So the support person can be topping the game. The leader person can be topping the game, and we can switch back and forth. Really, what leader? What really? What the leader role comes down to is it's really the tiebreaker. If we can't 
if we don't collaborate on a decision or if we get stuck and we're like, uh, I don't know, then I'll make the decision. Yeah. You, you be and, the decider. Right. And then that way, that way we're never stuck. Right. So if we ever get stuck, then, um, we'll just be like, then I will unstuck us. Make, make you make the call. And then we absolutely and I will right. say, cool, I agreed that you were going to make the call and then we won't fight about it. We'll just move right the fuck on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, again, I suspect <laughs> that this is that I suspect what we're defining here is the 10 percent of our oh, experience. But yeah. it is the 10 percent that could be the, the make uh, or break. debacle yeah. that everyone remembers. Yes. Right. It is the make or break 10 percent because. When Phil and Senda are suddenly having a whispered argument at the table for 15 minutes while everyone stares at us. No good. That's, that's no, no bueno. Good. That's not how we want right. co-GMing to work. So yes, that needs to be a thing that we can resolve honestly in a minute or less, right? Yeah. So it has yeah. to be so like me saying, I, I think this, and you say, I think this completely different thing, and I say, cool. What do you want to do? And you say, let's do this weird and we mix say, or whatever. Yep. And I go, cool, go, right? Right. So either we find some compromise or then I'll make the or decision. Or you make a decision. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. All right. So I think that I think that works great. I think that in terms of topping the table, I'm totally <laughs> fine. Um, kind of setting the pace for that. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about workload. I think this is going to be a two-part episode. It may be a two-part episode, and I think that's fine. I think that's fine as well, yeah. right? I think that's fine because it's more important for us. Oh, I'm sorry, we're not even done with power dynamic. No, we just we talked really about are. we just talked about at table power yes, dynamic. Yes, we did. <laughs> okay, so now I know this is a two part episode. Yeah. because I don't even think we're going to get to workload. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is okay. Let's let's finish up our talk about power dynamic, and then we'll wrap up and we'll continue on uh, next week. Yes. So okay, cool. Power dynamic, um, we talked about the in-game power dynamic, which I think is very crucial because in-game really needs somebody to be the tiebreaker. Now, taking it out of the game, so outside the game, I'm talking about, I'm thinking about things like session prep. If we were doing a campaign, we would, you know, if we were doing a campaign, then we would talk about, you know, campaign prep and things like that. I'm going to say right now, my current focus on this is that we're talking about campaign or I'm sorry, we're talking about convention one shots yes. because I don't know how we would co GM a game, not in person. Yeah. I think that would be very difficult, but so do you mind if I jump in some thoughts oh, on outside of the game? So, um, Absolutely. so the really interesting thing is that between designing games together and with me doing development work on hydro hackers and stuff, and actually helping you plan one shots previously, like we're actually really good at talking out prep work and compromising on that stuff. And the thing about outside of the game is there's no time limit and there's no spotlight, right? Yeah. So like there's no one sitting there staring at you waiting for you to make a decision. So to me, the outside of the game prep um, like the actual decision making on like what kind of story do we want to tell and like who are NPCs like that kind of thing to me I think that's pretty equal because I think that we're really good at talking through things and compromising on that stuff yes I could not agree more I don't think we need a lead support kind of role outside the game I think outside the game we're just truly collaborative yeah and that we'll just work on those things as equals contributing ideas and putting it together. Now, 
because I think you understand this, but I don't think necessarily everyone who listens to us will understand this. While we are equals in decision-making and contribution, when we get to next week and talk about workload right. outside the game, that may or may not be symmetrical. Yeah. That I, it could I, be asymmetrical. It absolutely could be. And and to be entirely honest, just to give a sneak preview on that, a lot of that will probably depend on each of our individual workloads going into the convention. Uh, you say that, but <laughs> I will say that it will be asymmetrical, not because of that but because only one of us actually writes notes. That's true, because for me, prep doesn't usually involve writing a whole lot of things down. Correct. But that's so because my I don't guess need is, to. <laughs> my guess is that um, <laughs> in our collaborative style, we will work up the idea for the session, and then I will go write it. Yeah. And put, like, my... Like, I will probably use my standard format of bullets, like my one-note standard format... Um, and then we can kind of review it um, together, you know, and make sure that we're on the same page. But I, I'm i pretty sure when we div- talk about dividing a workload, I will take the responsibility for writing it, it's, the ideas that we create. So part of that, I, I agree with you. You're right. And part of the reason for that is we have very different prep styles for our games, and my prep for a game really usually involves like um, an inciting incident, um, some sort of driving character or or, or front um, that has motivation, um, and that's pretty much it. Mine varies by game <laughs> because I'm you know a, I'm a stickler for genre. I so know. Depending on depending on what we play, will depend on how much prep. Yeah. I require. Yeah. Often I just need like some like a I usually my prep will consist of what what is what would happen what's going to happen here, right? Like if the if the heroes don't intervene. If they don't do anything, yeah. Right. What does the bad guy do? Um and then then I can play off of the rest of that. So yeah, we'll um Yeah, we'll figure it out. You will probably end up doing the notes specifically because in most cases you are the person who wants more notes. Yeah, and and if we're playing a game like for instance if we were playing like um Tales from the Loop. Right. Or things from Something the Flood. that's a there's a reason I don't run mysteries and heists. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, Let's so just if be we straight up something, here. <laughs> right. If we're going to do something like that, I suspect that that will fall more on me. But I do like that the idea generation, the coming up with the plot, the, you know, the NPCs, what's going on, kind of working through what's happening, that all of that is actually just two equals uh, working that out. Yeah. Okay. I feel pretty confident that we should stop here. Yeah, and um, save the rest for next week. (laughs) And save the rest for next week. Okay. So we'll pick this topic up uh, next week, uh, and we'll continue on our negotiation. But before we head out of here, Senda's going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. It's true. The Misdirected Mark podcast is back because it's December and their November hiatus is over. Hooray! So you can join Chris, Phil, and Bob live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. my time to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. 
Indeed, indeed. Are you excited? Are you excited to be recording again actually, tomorrow night? I am actually excited <laughs> to get back behind the mics with those guys. Yeah. Like, I kind of miss them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm psyched. Cool. Hey, um, listeners, uh, you like podcasts because you're listening to one right now. What? So any chance that you also <laughs> like audiobooks? Because if you do... Did you know that you can now get Never Unprepared, the complete Game Master's Guide to Session Prep, uh, which was written by me? You can get that now as an audiobook at audible.com. So if you like audiobooks, and if you like GMing advice, and hey, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you must like GMing advice. Or something. <laughs> so if you like listening to people talking about GMing advice, you're probably going to dig Never Unprepared. So go and uh, jump over to audible.com. Check it out. We'll put a link for it in the show notes. Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on the Misdirected Mark forums. You can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And that's about it these days. Isn't it? Did I miss any? Correct, indeed. <laughs> it's changed. Cool. And once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Please send us topics. We love to do shows about the things that you find interesting. We try to keep it to pretty much like 98% of the things that you suggest. Uh, this show being the anomaly. Kind of, except um, people did request it. We kind just, of. <laughs> we just kept right. telling them no. Exactly. Then, kind of, but you all did actually you did ask, ask for, for it. <laughs> anyway, we do actually love to do shows about the things that you find interesting. So please, please, please send us more topics. I can never really get enough of them. And actually, at some point, I'm going to do a topic purge and just throw away all the ones we have and start all over. Because some of the ones that are left over are starting to get kind of stale. Like I've been, if I go through it a whole bunch of times and can't think of a show, like, like some of them just are stale. Like, it's okay. Well, you can ask them all to us again or come up with all new ones. Yeah. Either way, please uh, send us your show note, uh, your show topics. We love to get them. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you should consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get the bonus outtakes from this show, which are usually pretty hilarious. <laughs> they get the after show from the Misdirected Mark, which is a grab bag of hilarious to salacious to... I don't know, just stuff. bonkers yep. stuff. I uh, get access to our Slack room, which is great. It's full of awesome people who are chatting on Slack all day. You can come join us on the Minecraft channel. Come play some Minecraft with us on our on Schmitty's Minecraft server, uh, because that's pretty rocking. Because we started a new season where like, it's pretty populated right now. It's kind of fun. And you get access to all sorts of other goodies as we kind of uh, put things together and disseminate them to our uh, patrons. The money that you uh, contribute to support us keeps the podcasts on the network live and even empowers us to go out and get content that we so desperately want to add to the network that like we are capable of actually recruiting people rather than just hoping somebody shows up with something that with a show that we want. Right. So um, that's pretty powerful. And that's uh, really all because of all of the support that you uh, continue to show us uh, month after month. So thank you very much. We also like to shout out to a few of our patrons each week. Senda, would you like to shout out to our patrons this week? I would love to. P.K. Sullivan, the Queen's Royal Rocketeer, and also... The lucky man who has just held the Call of Cthulhu or the Fate of Cthulhu book in his hot little hands for the first time and seen his name printed upon it. Go, PK. We're excited to see it. Steve Radabo, 
Hi, Steve. Thanks. Uh, and Ryan Bolter, thank you so much, Ryan. I was just reading your question on the Twitters, and then we did not answer it. Uh, but don't worry, we'll put, we'll it, put in it in the, the list. list. Mm-hmm. Say, Senda, there's a thing that people can do to support the show if they're already supporting the show uh, via Patreon or unable to support the show via Patreon, which is always okay. It's a thing that we that makes it easier for people to find us, uh, makes us oh so happy like pandas who've eaten too much bamboo at Thanksgiving dinner. What is that thing? That is leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. If you leave it somewhere that is not the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, please tell us because they're really hard to find and track down but it makes me super giddy to read them like there was one that I just went back and saw and she's a super geek that like happened just a couple of weeks ago and I missed it and like I went and I found it and I read it and it made me super duper happy so um, just know that every now and then when I need artistic validation I just go read all the reviews and I'm like okay life is good so thank you all for leaving them <laughs> anyway Phil uh, when are we going to try this out this oh, co-GMing I know. The next thing time- yes the next uh, the next con game all right next convention nice This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions the media arm of Encoded Designs Show me what you got 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 How was your Thanksgiving it was great. I went over to Wen's house. Yeah. And uh, with your dad. I know. Dragged my dad. He did not participate in the game of For the Queen, but he did watch. Sure. And I think that he enjoyed watching it because he was laughing with us and stuff. So I was like, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Might be a bit of a stretch to get him into, you know, his first yeah. role playing game in his retirement years, but. And, you know, and he doesn't have to. Like, it's fine. But it made me happy that he enjoyed just chilling with us while we played it. Yeah, that's... Like, he enjoyed watching. That's awesome. Yeah, Wen kept offering him the deck. Like, you can jump in anytime. <laughs> he was like, no, 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 no. Like, every time the deck Aww. came around, because we were sitting on couches, so we were passing the whole deck around. Yeah. So every time it came around, Wen was like, eh? And he was like, no. <laughs> that's funny. But, um... It was great. It was, it was like, we went over thinking like, okay, we'll go have food and it'll be some hours, right? Whenever. No, we were there for nine hours. Yeah. I, um, well, first of all, you, <laughs> first of all, you ate ridiculously early. Well, we ate at like one and then we ate again at like seven. Right. Bloop. It was just wild. It was conversation everywhere from like gaming and like all of our game stuff and the LARP we played for my birthday. Cause of course that's still coming up cause it's still like was very intense to like my father telling people about how he found woods porn as a kid woods porn man it's a thing (laughs) except it was in a cave yeah so i mean i say it's a thing it was a thing like it wasn't now we have flash drives and stuff yeah yeah (laughs) yeah 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 we could we could do a whole episode on woods porn so we won't um i anyway how was your thanksgiving yeah i went away um to my parents house for Thanksgiving, and uh, this year I made uh, the cranberry sauce because the person who usually makes it was away in Ireland, um, and I and I really love cranberry sauce, so I was like, uh, I'll just take matters into my own hands and make my own, having never done it before. It's not that hard to do. Uh, it's not. It's actually not mm-hmm. that hard. 
Um, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And I totally nailed it. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought I didn't. When I finished cooking it, I took a taste of it while it was still warm. And it tasted way too orangey. Yeah. But uh, I threw it all in the fridge and let it chill for a couple days. And yeah. brought it down to my mom's. And Thanksgiving Day, um, we took it out of the container. And I gave it a quick taste. Um, and having had cooled and settled for a few days... It yep. was ah, it was, it was orange ginger cranberry sauce, and it was yeah, perfect. It was killer. And then this year, once again, our turkey, our Alton Brown recipe turkey, um, was so damn good. It came out of the oven, and it was literally swimming in juices, which I bailed out of the container so that it wouldn't rest in them. And then, um, and then my dad cut it up, and I snuck in the kitchen. And kept stealing little pieces of it because it was, it was so juicy on its own. It was ridiculous. Um, it, it was like one of the best turkeys we've made, and that's saying a lot. Um, I know they're there. I hear about them every year. Well, I will say, when also made a very good turkey, but I haven't had your turkey to compare. I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to make it on a not um, Thanksgiving. Not Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, like I'm willing to do a small turkey because I, I can do any size turkey because it's cooked to temperature. Like, yeah. I, I just have a formula for it that I can figure out roughly when it's going to be done. Um, but the other thing that was a huge hit was my mom did, like, my mom didn't know what to do for sides this year because she did a couple staples and then she's like, I'm just going to roast a whole tray of vegetables. So yeah. she cut up like potato, onion, sweet potato, parsnip, Brussels sprouts, um, and maybe like one or two other things, threw them all under the broiler with like, with like olive oil on them. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could not get enough of these roasted vegetables. I am roasting all my vegetables for now on. Like, all other <laughs> methods of cooking vegetables have died, like, died on that Thanksgiving this table. <laughs> Listen, this is the only time I've ever had Brussels sprouts where it wasn't covered in bacon, <laughs> where I was like... Have I Have I not fed you I, I don't think sprouts? you have yet. I, I know I your I know have. your recipe, and I I suspect your Mine, recipe would also be very good, right? Because it's basically like browned in butter till the outside bits are crispy. So this one was and just, the inside bits are cooked. This was just <laughs> broiled in the anyway. I ate so much of those roasted vegetables. I could not get enough of them. It was so good. Anyway, all in all, it was um, it was an amazing uh, Thanksgiving um, meal, and I was uh, quite pleased. Meow. 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 <laughs> Did you do it again just so I could see your face? Uh-huh. Because <laughs> it's a good face. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Bloop. Wow, I mean- I'm a cussy girl today. <laughs> Bloop. Oh, I have, a new, I have a new podcast idea. Yes, please tell me. It's called Topping Tabletop. <laughs> Topping Tabletop. Yeah. It's reminiscent it's of an old interview show that used to be out, except slightly different. <laughs> yes, slightly different. Different topic. Okay. <laughs> Bloop. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. I feel like I should uh, text. Bloop. Topping Tabletop. <laughs> What's I'll that show that. gonna be about? It's gonna be about topics. <laughs> Where does the tabletop come in then? It's the bottom. Oh. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, this is all going in the bonus outtakes. Time to say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Stop.